Good morning. This is your host, Hacker Mike, coming at you from the heart of New Jersey, the capital city, Trenton, the suburbs, the most beautiful nature here on the Delaware River with um, canals and historical sites, trails, and all types of good and bad things. We love it here. Plus, they don't call New Jersey the Garden State for nothing because it's not the question of how do you get stuff to grow here. It's the question of how do you keep it from growing because everything just grows so crazily. <clears throat> so, that's my little introduction. I am, I just finished listening to the New Books Network um, <clears throat> on the history of psychedelic research, I get you the podcast name, well, New Books Network, uh, here we go, Danielle Gifford, G-I-F-F-O-R-T, Acid Revival, the Psychedelic Renaissance, and that was quite the interesting talk, <clears throat> she talks about the, uh, the lack of science on this topic. Now, I listened to uh, Tim, Tim Ferriss, who's been trying to also <clears throat> get psychedelic research um, back on the agenda. She didn't mention him. She was more talking about what happened with Leary. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, she said that they considered Leary the Pied Piper, the bad actor, the bad example, but yet they followed a lot of the stuff that he did. Um, they just didn't like the way he dressed, didn't like the way he talked, didn't like the terms that he used or his behavior. And um, they talked about him breaking the boundaries between observer and observed, between the subject and the object. And I think that's very interesting to look at it like that. And also, um, another book I listened to on the New Books Network yesterday was the um, damn, I don't have the name. Let's see if I have my history, playback history here. Whew, yeah, I listened to a bunch of good talks. Okay. But it looks like it's missing. So basically, I'll just give you the snippet that I remember, which was it's about um, being scientific or unscientific. And they were saying that, um, you know, there's a general lack of reproducibility in scientific papers, that they're, um, <coughs> that scientists try to just make things fit 
I gotta find this podcast name here. Here we go. Science Fictions, okay. Stuart Ritchie, Science Fictions, Exposing Fraud, Bias, Negligence, and Hype in Science. So, um, that was a really good talk, and he talks about bad science. So that some papers, publishers, some uh, research, research uh, groups are requiring that people actually publish the way that they intend to run their research before they even do the research um, so that they can't just go back and make it fit uh, whatever they found. So there's some interesting stuff going on here. New Books Network is a great uh, resource. You know, Joe Rogan again was saying, oh yeah, I want an independent news system that's not biased. Well, hey man, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that simple. You know, that's like saying I want someone to summarize science for me in an easy way so I don't have to understand the details. It's like, even if you read all the scientists and try to understand them, I mean, philosophically, I think we're getting to a point where we don't really know things and we're just really constructing models of things and there's no real absolute truth that we know of. I mean, basically, that's modern philosophy, as far as I understand. <clears throat> that everything is a construct, a meme. And uh, I was talking to one of my listeners yesterday, my dad, and he's like, What? I don't get this meme thing. I don't get it. I keep on trying to explain it. It's not clicking. It's like, is it visual? Is a meme a uh, a gif? Yes, a meme is a gif. Gifs are called memes, like those funny things with funny captions that go viral. Those are called memes. But why are they called memes, and where does that term come from? When something is going viral, like how viral is it? How many people does it infect? And then again, what's the hard part is to understand is Dawkins' idea that the memes and genes and self-replicating systems are life forms of their own. He's saying that the virus is a life form. The DNA of the virus lives unto itself. 
and just walks over the corpses of the uh, incarnates. That there's an eternal struggle between the genetic codes fighting for dominance. And that has transformed into the eternal struggle between memes or ideas fighting for mind control. That's basically his idea. Okay, so subjectivity versus objectivity. Thought for the day. And, um, training. So I've been thinking I should start writing. You know, I'm working on. I'm talking every day, and I'm doing a recording, but I should also start a blog. I have a blog, but I should actually write in it every day as a journal, like Seth Godin does, and work on improving my writing skills, again, um, and writing on topics, and I should uh, write every day, and um, not only speak. Now, speaking is easy. Because you say something and that's it. And I'm not really going back there and editing it. The only thing I do is I'll skip over a, an episode if I get too lost in my objectivity and subjectivity and get tangled. And um, I guess she was also saying that Timothy Leary lacked in self-discipline. Like he would have his personal and his work all mixed up together, birthday cards mixed in with um, his work notes, and he would take work notes on uh, Howard Johnson placemats, like napkins and stuff, and have them in his file. So I guess that spontaneous or lack of formality, um, spontaneity, that's something... Um, that you'll see on this podcast as well. And I guess it's something that has to be criticized in some way sometimes. So, uh, kind of getting lost in the flow, getting into your zone, flying by the seat of your pants, being spontaneous, being informal feeling free and having fun. Those are some of the values I could describe. Lackadaisical, maybe. I don't know exactly what that means. But lacking rigor. Now, Umberto Eco, he was very formal, rigid with his structures. It's like how to write a scientific paper. And they talked about studying one thing and planning it out. And I'm thinking that's more on the side of the um, structured learning of neural networks, where you have a training set, you have a learning path. Um, and I'm thinking, well, where could I benefit from that the most? Well, we have a structure of some kind in this podcast now, which is the morning walk <clears throat> and other uh, forms that we have come up with. Um, 
But I had a great uh, idea today. I just want to share that with you. So, basically, I mean, this goes back into the building of models. Can, can we build, is a structure that we see, like a data structure or some kind of structure that we observe, not a representation of some kind of model? If we do modeling of things as a rational exercise, is that not, in the end, um, somehow associated with a learning model, with some type of connection? Okay, that might be Mr. S, who I'm waiting for for our talk. Let's see if he's online. Yeah, Mr. S, that's Mr. SL. Let's see what he has to say. Yeah. So, back to the podcast. This is the second round. Um... So my intuition here, just an intuition, and um, I like to go with my intuitions. So my intuition is that um, My intuition is that uh, a model that's consciously created can somehow translate into a machine learning model on some level. <clears throat> and that um, You know, we're looking into um, model interpretability, understandability, and um, so then we might have, between the interpretability and understandability, we might have a mapping function. So take this model, make it interpretable, and now create some kind of association or mapping, or even a two-way mapping into the human model. I mean, isn't that just the interpretability to have them meet somewhere? But that doesn't mean I gotta turn off these notifications, man. The interpretability doesn't mean that it'll map onto your existing model. That just means it'll map onto something that you can understand. So, yeah, I guess we're reaching that level. Um, <clears throat> so, in terms of interpreting our own mental models and our own neural networks, process of human introspection meaning not introspecting a um, computer program, but actually introspecting or looking at the machinery of the mind. Is that possible? Does that violate 
the principle of subjectivity versus objectivity. Like, where's the object? Where's the subject? Where's the ego? Where's the self? You know. And this kind of gets into some difficult uh, situations of self-criticism. Introspection is called self-criticism sometimes, or reflection. Um, Self-doubt. Maybe depression or lack of motivation, losing of focus, losing of uh, drive. Once you get caught up in some kind of loop, and a lot of that is getting caught up into loops, mental loops. So um, just keeping my eye out here for elderberries. Collected um, big bag of elderberries this morning. Nice fruits and here's another tree right here and uh, it looks pretty good I'm gonna have to but they're not even ready all yet not all ready I'm gonna have to wait a little bit for those elderberries it's supposed to be really good for you the elderberries teaspoon of that or tablespoon a day for all types of uh, vitamins. Oh yeah, look at these. Well, that's quite the tree there. I'm going to take a picture of that. So, um, so applying some kind of or constructing some kind of model about the mind. I guess that's like self-delusional in some way, you know? And this is where we get into all the types of bad science. So really, and that was good to, to listen to that. So, Okay, so let's break this down here. So mindfulness meditation is the idea of following an idea, like trying to do something simple and observing what goes on when you try and do that. Right? So it's like, well, I'm trying to, yeah, these birds have picked these elderberries clean. There's a couple of, a couple of bunches, but they've been really going at them. <coughs> The birds knows, the birds know what's good. So you pick a topic. Let's say I'm going to concentrate on my breath, and you focus on that topic, and then everything else is just acknowledged, and you relax, so to say, and develop an awareness of your mind and its mental state. So there's a simple experiment with a lot of, that's a simple experiment with a lot of um, discipline involved. 
So the algorithm is simple. You know, like, watch your breath. Observe and acknowledge, but do not follow any ideas. So that's like a very simple algorithm. But it really requires a lot of patience and time to achieve it. Um, okay. So let's think of some other simple things. And that's what I was trying to get at, is that if you follow, like, the structured method, like mindful meditation, I would classify as a structured method <clears throat> for training neural networks, as opposed to an unstructured method. It's just like going in there and following your feelings. So... I guess it also depends on how you feel about things and like what's your motivation and um, I guess uh, having fun you know following shiny objects kind of lead you down the rabbit hole. Okay, so I'm going to give a call to uh, Mr. S. Mr. S.L. All right, guys. <laughs> So here we're going to continue. I had a nice little uh, bagel sandwich at Dunkin'. And um, I've discovered I can take my safety jacket off, which I wear for walks, and just wrap it around my face, and that's my mask. So that works pretty good. Look like a bandit with a neon face mask. So... Um, <clears throat> Life pro tip, always get a dozen bagels. No toasted, no butter, no cream cheese. And that's where they make a loss and you make a win. So uh, let's think about things a little bit. <clears throat> so I had a little talk with Mr. S.L about um, reusing existing models and uh, he's trying to do something with natural language and my basic take is that there has been significant research and there's also published pre-trained models and I tried to explain to him how much energy is used in the training of these models and I don't know what the figure is but like Google is using the amount of energy of some small cities um, to do their machine learning and train models. So you really don't have the resources to, uh, to compete with them. So you might as well use the models that they have. And this kind of ties into the understandability of existing models. So, And uh, <clears throat> I think the, the main thing that you have to do is keep your test data 
clean and in order and then you can try it out on different uh, pre-trained models and I'm thinking <clears throat> that we can observe do an observation into those models and just say well how does this model react to this input and how does this model react to that input and the reaction to those inputs would be the um, what we're observing so basically we take the path that was uh, taken by a given input and we use that path as an input to our model so we'll just say this path um, given this path in the model we have a uh, <clears throat> a good output and in this path we have a bad output or you know so we can learn a secondary I mean this is just an idea here I have not tried it but basically we can learn the paths taken through a neural network um, and try and score them and try and understand what part of that path is significant to what we're looking for so I don't know good grammar versus bad grammar so we have a hundred examples of bad grammar we have a hundred examples of good grammar and now we're going to observe the path that's been used in BERT if we give it good and bad grammar examples and then we would try and observe the paths and feed the path into some kind of learning algorithm that we're trying to determine what part of the path what part of the network is actually determining the um, the grammar section. I know this sounds kind of crazy. But that's kind of the way I'm thinking. All right. So, but this is all getting into this fuzzy area of um, pseudo-science, I guess. I mean, I don't know enough about machine learning and I'm sure if one of the listeners who would like my friend A E co-host if he was listening to us he'd just be shaking his head and say Mike you've got it all wrong that's not the way it works you can't do it like that because this that and the other so yeah you know we need to um, understand the algorithms and understand the moving parts. Um. <clears throat> Look at that deer with his tiny little horns. Hiding in the bushes. So, yeah, I can see you, dear.
Okay. So, yeah, we don't know enough about this, but we can talk about what we do know about. Which is nothing. So, you know what, guys? That's it for today. We hit a couple of topics. I'm a little bit unfocused. Maybe I gave you something to think about. Maybe I didn't. Um, I'm going to uh, get a new Google Voice number that's attached to, or get the Google Voice number attached to this account, because the number I gave you was the old account, and I don't check that often. And uh, I have to go find the password and log into it. I just don't carry it on my mobile. I guess I could. Um, so, uh, yeah, let me, uh, put this on pause and I'm going to get you guys a new number to call. All right, guys, I just double checked my Google voice settings and I've got a number for you to call me. It's 609 429-4144. That's 609-429-4144. I'll put that number in the, um, I'll put that number in the, uh, show notes and also in the podcast description. So, great. Thanks a lot. Give me a call.